Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Store Podcast. I hope you are having a great day. I'm Kevin Koval, your host, and uh, we have a great, great uh, guest in the Corner Store this evening. But before we go into that, First, I hope that you are doing well and, and maintaining and hanging in there. I know that these times are trying, and so I hope you're getting some solace. I hope you're getting some respite. I hope you're taking good care of yourself. Um, thank you for tuning in, and I hope that this is a space that gives you some sort of inspiration throughout your week. That is certainly the intention. We Every week, um, you know, we, we engage with creatives and artists and organizers and thinkers from all over the the planet uh, who I think are doing really incredible and inspired work. Today is no different. I want to ask you to do me a favor. Uh, please, uh, if you have not subscribed and rated this podcast already, go on Apple Music, go on uh, your iTunes, uh, go to Spotify, wherever you get and download and stream podcasts. And please, please rate and subscribe to The Corner Store. Uh, we recently had to reconfigure some things on Apple Music, so make sure that you are subscribing to The Corner Store with my name, Kevin Koval, and you will get the new content we put out every week. Today, I'm excited to welcome into The Corner Store someone who is multi-ta- multi-talented, uh, an incredible an incredible graffiti writer, uh, a, a beautiful visual artist, and someone who cares about and works for real in the streets of Chicago, we have none other than Atlas in the building. Sir, welcome into the Corner Store. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for having me, Kevin. I really appreciate being here, man. Oh, my man. Uh, it is a, it's a pleasure to, to uh, have you in the building. And, you know, I have to say, man, I, um, you know, I came to know your work because I saw it in, in a gallery uh, that the homie Yams put together. And I was just, I, you know, you're, it's it's visually stunning. Um, so I, you know, I, I and obviously it is. Uh, I I read it as graffiti, and so, uh, but you know, of course, you're doing studio work. So I, I kind of want to talk about your practice first as as an artist and what you do. Sure. Yeah. No. Uh, transitioning from that sort of uh, graffiti. Uh, mindset to the more fine art side of the world uh, has been an interesting transition for me, uh, attempting to leave one life or grow bigger than one life and, and into a, a next. Uh, uh, you're not the first human who's who looks at me as a graffiti writer uh, because it's the, my work is so inspired by that uh, culture. Uh, again, we're just trying to grow a little bit bigger, I think, than you know, I'm trying is what I think. Right. Well, because I mean, you know, and this has been a long running conversation within the culture itself. But once graffiti kind of makes its way to canvas, you know, does it one become something else? Um, and and certainly what you're doing on canvas is not just letters like you seem to be inspired by what's, you know, around and inside and in the background of the letter, like like beginning to kind of pull apart the letter and kind of deal um, not totally in abstraction, but you're, 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 you know, you're deconstructing the form in some ways. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels that way as I do it. I, I think so. Number one, my style comes from talking to an art therapist, right? This my art is uh, incredibly uh, uh, based in my own emotions and my own journey. Um, uh, I'm a prior service veteran uh, with combat experience, and and that's been an interesting road to navigate. And where did you serve? Is, where um, did you serve? If you don't mind me asking, I was in the army. I was a forward observer for an infantry company uh, deployment to. Korea on the DMZ and uh, year deployment to Iraq, uh, uh, Kaladia, Iraq, just east of Fallujah. 
Wow. Okay. That was back in 2004 and 2005 when things were hot. So again, there's there's some baggage there uh, as far as reintegration goes. And I found my uh, linchpin to in reintegration was my art and what I what I turned to previous to my service years. Uh, I then used post service uh, in a very effective way to deal with some of the some of the stressors that that I was carrying around. Um, so again my art being based very much in this emotional journey that I've taken uh, previous and then post-service. I don't, I try not to hold it into just letters, right? I enjoy that my art stays emotional, it stays fluid, stays full of energy. uh, That I choose to uh, lean towards, right? That's, so that's really interesting. So, you you came home and I mean how did you find a therapist or an art therapist? How did how did uh, I was it was right in the midst of the hubbub you know the the craziness that was the VA system uh, back in oh six oh seven uh, I was I wasn't doing very good with my own reintegration um, I was struggling right there was uh, some serious things going on at that moment in time but uh, I joined a VFW. I, I had some close friends that I grew up with here in the city. I, I grew up on the northwest side. I'm a born and raised native uh, Chicagoan. And I, fi- I reconnected with some friends that I had as a child who just so happened to be veterans at a VFW. And they steered me toward an art therapist at the Jesse Brown VA clinic on Damon and Taylor. Uh, so I went and had a revealing conversation with a piece of charcoal in my hand and a, and a roll of paper on the table. And this is where that energy just started to come out. So all the letter-based art that I had done previous to that was now coming out in this abstract way. And I just have been running with it ever since. Wow. Well, I want to go into your history with letters and and writing and graffiti, but but had you ever prior to that thought about or gone or been in therapy? To be honest, uh, so I was one of the, the ADHD crowd you know that's my age bracket uh, I'm 35 years old I'll be 36 tomorrow hey happy born hey. day man Scorpio season thank you uh, so yeah right I was part of that ADHD crowd there was some conversations with uh, uh, therapists uh, when I was a youth um, but nothing in my adult years right uh, I really did join the army straight out of high school so there really wasn't a window right Um for even me to understand myself, I would say. Right, sure. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, take us back because northwest side of Chicago. What neighborhood are we talking? Uh, Belmont Cragen neighborhood. I grew up right by the Brickyard, Fullerton, and Narragansett. My okay. parents still live over there. Okay, right. So, uh, so, at, and, and so, how did you come into into um, thinking about letters and thinking about graffiti? It was the it was the community, right? So I'm growing up on the northwest side of the city. Uh, I went to Gordon Tech, freshman, sophomore, and then Holy Cross High School, junior, senior. Uh, a lot of the friends were at Lane Tech, and um, some of my existence, uh, both in the Belmont Craig neighborhood and 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 other neighborhoods, um, in high school, there it, it was. It could be gang charged, you know. There was it was it was a navigating of a, of a real urban situation. So I found solace in graffiti writing, right? Like these kids who loved art. Um, it kept me 
it, it let me skate by some of the some of the stickier situations in my life. You know, gang gang member asking me, you know, who, who I am and why I'm here. Hey, I'm a writer, and you kind of get that free pass. Uh, and and it got me out of a few sticky situations. Uh, and I just sort of found a home with the with the art kids, uh, especially the ones who wore black t shirts. Right, like <laughs> a little more a little more edgy, a little more maybe secretive artists. <laughs> And what, what, first of all, that's amazing, right? That, that, that art kids, graffiti kids get a pass. Cause I think people think and have the misconception that if you are, if, if there's a gang in your neighborhood, whatever that means, that it's right. all encompassing and that there's, you know, you're in it if you are in that neighborhood. And, you know, obviously that's, that's not the case. Um, how did you begin to grab, like who, who did you begin to grab? Are there, are there early writers that caught your attention or crews or how did you get, um, you know, how did you get brought into that community? Yeah, uh, my entrance was through a crew called FIK, and they were a heavy Northwest Side uh, crew, base crew, heavy out of lane tech, some members in Gordon Tech, and uh, some members eventually when I ended up going to Holy Cross on the far west side of the, the city. Um, yeah, it was, it was FIK, it was UAC, it was EDSK, it was uh, even the older crews, GOG, uh, FOC, um, STN, you know, these, these crews decorated uh, all of our neighborhoods, right? Like, you, you, it, 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 it consumed me to think that somebody sat there and did that and, and risked it and and it looks cool right that was that was its own journey right like once you start writing on things making it look cool while you are worried about being caught is its own is its own thing and i was seeing these giant these giant crews with style and it influenced me from the moment i could read it from the moment i understood that it existed right i feel like it was long before even high school yeah. Uh, but I didn't start actually writing with a moniker of my own, with a name of my own, uh, until high school. So, and what was, was was Atlas your first name, or <laughs> no? To be honest, uh, uh, I wrote "Stolen" was one, and uh, uh, I actually ended up writing on a bus station right up by the Harlem Irving Plaza, by the old uh, Shooters Buffet <laughs> up there toward Lawrence in Harlem, and it it. Again, another moment of just like, you know, the hook, the fish hook, you know, got me right there. I was like enthralled. Um, but it was also interesting because I was raised by a mom and a dad who, who, who would have had my ass, right? Like in a sling, immediate, who did multiple times, um, chew me up, really. <laughs> so it was navigating this really kind of northwest side kind of you know generic lifestyle let's say well what, what what is your parent what do your parents do oh they're uh, uh my father's a union carpenter and my mom is a cps uh sika s-e-c-a she's a special education care i can't remember what the a stands for but she's she works with special education kids in cps k through four Okay. Wow. Great. Yeah. So they're you know good good working people in Chicago. Right. Where are uh, blue, blue collar? Right. Wake up, pay your taxes. Yeah, and and don't write on things. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So and, and where how how long has your family been in Chicago? Like where are you guys from? Yeah. So my parents were born and raised here. Both of them as well. Uh, their parents were 
born and raised in other countries. So my parents being the first generation, I'm a second generation Polish American and uh, Mexican and Puerto Rican American, so Latino American. And uh, they grew up by Damon and Armitage, so right there by Lottie's bar. Okay. Oh, right. Of course. And 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 of course, um, you know, Polish, Mexican, and Puerto Rican is a great Chicago combination. Like, and and I, I love you know that's that that happens a lot, especially in the second generation. Um, yep. So that's that's pretty incredible. So when did they first get an inkling as to what you were up to? Um, as an extracurricular activity, and what was their response to your art? Uh, it, it was. Uh, I remember my mom caught me um, leaving the house uh, against her will, and she patted me down. Right, like <laughs> uh, my mom is very. She's a tiny woman, but she is a firecracker, and all. It's me, my brother, and my dad. We're all over 6'2", and my mom's a little bitty lady, and she runs the show. So she patted me down, and I had spray cans and other nefarious things on me. Uh, It's almost like she couldn't believe that maybe her kid was involved in that type of lifestyle. Uh, It was was pushed back against immediately, right? Do not do that, like... They attempted to give me spaces to let it out, but right, like like the canvases or the notebooks or the whatever, and they really did try to to quell to quell it, and it didn't work. <laughs> so, so I, I would imagine, like most writers, you probably got caught up in the um, you know maybe you've been arrested or brought in a few times. So that, I've been grabbed a few times, thank goodness. No, nah, never for anything uh, felony, right? Good, Level. right. Yes. I think that in this day and age, that is really the, from the old heads to the new heads, I think that is the differentiating, the, the demarcation line, let's say, uh, when these small things that older heads used to get away with now became felonies. So while I was... I did have a few run-ins with the law, nothing uh, to that extent. So, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, the the running, the jumping the fences, the you know having the cops knock on your front door, right? And, and oh, we think your kid was over here. My mom has defended me in those moments, not mine. He was home, right? So, oh, good! Wow, like, she's a real one then. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely a real one. That's that's for sure. <laughs> that's beautiful. So, so of course, so you you graduate high school. You're a writer, but you go right into the army. Yeah. So I was noticing even at the uh, at the end of my high school existence, the landscape that I had to navigate as a as a graffiti writer maybe wasn't. It, it, it was a lot more obstacle saturated than I anticipated in freshman year, let's say. So you start to realize that beef is a real thing, that crews, uh, that violence in this in this culture is a real thing, that, um, you know, these are maybe some things. I just liked doing art and kind of enjoyed the rush. I'm not trying to, you know, get in a knife fight or something crazy over this. And you start to, I started to see more of that. There was actually a large... Uh, 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 brawl um, outside of Lane Tech. This was probably 1999, and it was uh, between FTR and FIK, and it was incredibly violent. And um, I'm lucky 
to not get grabbed for anything that happened there. Uh, and I, I, I really do send my regrets, but it really painted the picture like, hey, this might not be the lifestyle or the road that you thought it was slash want to continue down, right? Sure. Um, and there was also a large part of me who was raised by an uncle who jumped into D-Day, right? So he uh, told me those stories and I always felt like I'm 18 years old. I don't want to I don't want to be 45 and regret not using this 18 year old back to go do something that that I want to do. And, and so, uh, so had you wanted to go into the armed services for a while? Yeah, I thought about it junior and senior year. Right. Um, I wasn't convinced that college was for me. Right. Um, especially the activities that I was participating in. So I just started to listen to other answers, let's call them, and the army fit, right? And yeah. I've always been like a bigger kid and I've always played football, uh, did karate, taekwondo and hapkido when I was younger, right? So I was always physical and the army seemed like a physical challenge that I could overcome and benefit my life in that moment. Hindsight being twenty twenty, it wasn't everything it was cracked up to be. No, well, they, s- they sell you a dream, right? And yeah. Yeah, and that dream obviously is not as is not what it is. Yeah, it's not as damaged as you are when you leave a, a situation like the service, whether you were deployed or not. But right. you, everybody comes out of the service, in my opinion, different, for better or worse. There's a lot of uh, loose ends when you come out that you have to deal with. I would imagine. I would imagine there's something about being a graffiti writer that creates a kind of nerve that does. In an odd way, and in a way that obviously is never probably intended from you know writers, like per, that, that does prepare you in some ways for the military. Truth, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. I um, the, the the penchant for adrenaline, the the sort of uh, being in tune with the with the uh, kind of the 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 chaos around you. Let's say it right, but like being hyper aware. Uh, these were all things that I learned previous to, to day one basic training. Um, right. And, 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 and not just the graffiti element, right? Cause let's say I wrote graffiti in Lexington, Kentucky. I don't think I would have had the same experience as I did writing graffiti here in the biggest city, right in the Midwest. Like it's, it's wonderful. Uh, and it taught me a lot. Yeah. And per- for the army. Now, did, I, I don't. I don't want to ask too much about about your service, um, but I, I I do. Did you ever write when you were deployed, or did you ever like? Did you maintain a practice, or how did you maintain yeah. a practice? Yeah, it was interesting, right? You have to. Uh, I ordered. Yes, I did art in the service. Deployed rifles and body armor and helmets and Humvees and spray paint. Right. So really. I ordered yeah, I ordered uh, 40 cans. They came from Italy, um, and they were shipped to Iraq, so they didn't have to go back to the States, right? So they came down to me, and uh, it was like Christmas morning. I had all the colors I needed. I had even been, like, procuring my own sort of paint and supplies anywhere I could in country on my deployment. And then I realized, hey, why don't I just order some? And I did, and I actually have pictures uh painting on op you know observation posts on the wire like looking at the dirt and here i am like spray painting my rifle and my body armor and my helmet on the side yeah it was i 
I, or like on camp, the camp that we were on was incredibly large. It was an old British Air Force base from like the 60s when the Brits were in Iraq way back when. Anyway, we took it over. So it was massive. And I would just go disappear into the night. There were tons of blown out buildings. Uh, very Detroit-esque in that respect, where you could just go have an adventure and get lost and find a wall, and I did. And those pictures, um, you know, those are timeless. Those are priceless to me that I was able to create those works of art in such a precarious situation. That's that's amazing. I, I would love to see those pictures, by the way. And what do you did? Did your superiors know what was going on? Did other people in your in your um, in your I don't know crew, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. The one I, for the most part, I got away with it, right? And I kept it very secret. Some of my very close platoon mates, like the dude I shared a bunk with, sure, uh, he knew. But yeah, first sergeant caught me one time on the OP, and that was broad daylight out. I was painting; it was very big and red and yellow. And he came pulling up, and uh, there was nothing I could do other than just keep painting. It was very, it's right, the, the, the 5-0 just pulled up on you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and he stopped me. I, he let me take a picture, and then he handed me my can of black spray paint, and he said, you're going to paint over the entire thing. So as it stands, it's a giant black blob that I only have a picture of. Wow. Interesting. And then I did hundreds of push-ups and jumping jacks and sweat. I probably threw up some dinner, right? Like, he definitely exercised me. <laughs> right, right. So that's, it's amazing. So you maintained a practice. Now, when when did you come back home? I returned uh, stateside 2005 from the desert. 2006, I left the Army. So I, was, I returned from the desert to Colorado Springs, Colorado, Fort Carson. Uh, which is a beautiful state. Uh, lots of love for Colorado. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, 2006 was out of the army. 2005 out of the deployment situation. Okay, so so what do you do when you get back? Like, what do you? I mean, where do you go? Where does even one? What what happens? That uh, that was the biggest question. Was uh, you know what are you going to do? You have a year left in the service. How are you going to do it? And I was a very typical uh, 22 year old. I think I was at the time, 21, 22. And I didn't take it seriously. Uh, I didn't plan for the future. I didn't set myself up for success. I listened and participated in my vices. I, uh, I abused the, the, uh, the niceties of the states, right? That ate all the cheeseburgers, slept in all the hours, like, you know, uh, rented all the red box movies. Um, everything was to an excess at that point. And it was all band-aiding, right? I started to feel like this emptiness and this hole that I needed to fill. And I was attempting to, and it wasn't working. Right. So I could have set myself up better for that discharge period that transitionary year, but I, I didn't. And I left the army from Colorado to, I to from Colorado to Chicago, having a broken relationship, not really having money in the bank, not really being whole within myself. And I drove back to Chicago. I said, you know what? I need some home and yeah. I need some love and I need some family. And it's been a lot of years without that. Well, that has to be such a confusing, odd and, I would say intimidating time where you're coming from, 
you know, having so much determined for you, some, you know, essentially institutional living and also the high pressure spaces that you, I would imagine, were in to then just becoming a civilian. You know, I, I don't know what, I mean, a year doesn't seem like a proper or enough transition period, especially no. for a young man or a young person. No. I, I don't know if I had 10 years, if I would have done it better, because I don't know if I was, if I had the wherewithal in me as, as a young man to do that. I think there was still a lot of those party years left in you. And I think when they put you in the desert for one of those party years, you come back and try and make up for it. So the year wasn't enough time, but I don't know if any time would have been appropriate. And I think that my reintegration is the story of a lot of soldiers where it's, you know, like that institutionalized living. Then the draft, like the, the hard breaks, like, right. The whole thing comes screeching. It is overnight, overnight. You, your life changes. And I can tell you, of the 40 men in my platoon, I don't know if one was prepared. I'll be honest. There, yeah. There's just on the side tip, National Geographic did an entire special on our platoon. Uh, anybody can YouTube or Google it. It's called the Wounded Platoon. And uh, you can see some of the stories of my brothers. Um, I wasn't in a place to participate in that video. That That's the reality of it. You know, like this is a very very tumultuous time in, in a young person's life in my life it was and in others that i know well i i definitely i definitely want to see i want to see that 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 piece um you know we we have a few minutes left uh for those who have been listening um you are listening to the corner store podcast uh, i'm your host kevin Koval. sitting in uh is just an incredible incredible artist and, and a great storyteller atlas um it's been this has been great man i so i you know so you are a young man you're back in chicago um how do you how do you uh continue your practice um of being an artist and then of course you know i do want to talk about about one of the things that you do for a living as well mm-hmm. yeah it it it, it you, I continue, I did it. I found any way to do it because it was my passion. Because art for me is like breathing air, as I'm assuming it is for so many other artists. I could be destitute, flat out on my butt, and still find a way to do art. So it just always found its way into the fabric of my day, or my week, or my month, or my year. And it was always beneficial. When a lot of things were going nasty, art made me feel good. When things were getting ugly, art hit me with that little dopamine, that like, or that, you know, it was always this outlet for me to, to feel good. So I just continued to pursue it. I, I found that therapist. I had that conversation. I, I realized that this thing, this art creature, right, lives inside of me and I need to let it out and, and show it. And for a long time, I didn't. And uh, I hit it. I sat in my front room. I didn't share with anybody for a while after the army. And then all of a sudden, it was like I wanted to, like the sun to rise on a new day, right? And and it did. So that positivity with art allowed me to do many other things and recover in many other ways. One of them being that job, right? This this I work for the city now. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a streets and sanitation garbage man, and I've trimmed trees for the Department of Streets and Sand. I'm going on my seventh year, 2021. And uh, for me, for me, 
participating in my community has always been a big deal. So going to the service and serving my nation was a big deal to me at a younger point in my life. Coming home and serving my community here was much more tangible to me, right? Like uh, I see I, I see violence, I see struggle, I see strife here locally that I want to help with. Uh, the help that I brought to the people of Iraq, like we guarded them for their, free, I guarded their polling places for their first free election. Wow. And I had old men shake my hands with tears in their eyes saying, thank you for allowing me to vote. So that type of community service stains you at the, at the age of 19. And it was something that I chased and I found again now in the service to the city. And uh, most people will be like, oh, garbage man. Now, you know, there's, I, I take pride in the way our city looks. I take I take uh, I take pride in just being a Chicagoan. I, I think that I think that it, it's important to give to your little corner of the world in any way that you can. And and I think you give Kevin with your words. I think people give with their heart. I think human beings that drive buses or drive Ubers. You know, I think everybody gives in their own way. It's just what's what's your way. And I found my way finally in, in, through the Department of Streets and Sanitation. It's been a really excellent journey for me. No, that's that's really beautiful, man. That's thank you for saying all of that. And that's yeah. that's really that's really beautiful. Um, I I also would imagine, and this is at least in my in my fantasy life, I would imagine that being a a writer who is also on the truck in and out of the alleys every day, like you probably one see a lot of. Of, of shit that we miss a lot of great art and like if you were wanting to do this you probably see some great spots that you might uh want to um use for yourself or friends later that i right that i choose to approach in a legal way yes yes exactly <laughs> I, exactly I, I swallow that i will then go and ask for permission to paint yes uh, but i do <laughs> but i do see a lot of art and one of my side hustles outside of atlases on instagram or you know my job i run a page called alley hands a-l-l-e-y-h-a-n-d-s and it is solely dedicated to art on garbage cans because we all started right there in those alleys you know you you can really get away with a lot and hide it if it's terrible in an alley on a garbage can so that's important to me too is uh to participate in the in, in the style writing and the graffiti culture in a way that I don't want money from, in a way that I don't want accolades from, right? I, I want to document the, the the culture that we all love, you know, that's impacted me in such a dramatic way. No, that's beautiful, so, man. That's, that's great. So um, you mentioned it, but but give them out again. Where are the best places that people could stay in tune with, with all of the work that you're doing? Yeah, so I just opened my, I just uh, launched my website, Atlas's Gallery. That was about 60, 75 days ago, atlasesgallery.com, A-T-L-A-S-E-S. G-A-L-L-E-R-Y dot com. I'm also on Instagram uh, at underscore A-T-L-A-S-E-S underscore. And then the other one is Alley Hands at Alley Hands, A-L-L-E-Y-H-A-N-D-S. And those are the three places that I participate with with this community. And you can see everything that I do. And I got some merch on the website and we're just out here, right? Like I, I make money in a different way. I do art because I love to do art and I'm sick of it sitting inside my four walls and i and and i'm happy to share it with anybody who comes looking no well it's, it's great work man and i i really this is a very special conversation thanks so much for being in the corner store cheers Kev. i really mean that god bless
Shout out our super producer, DJ Cashera. Big up boss man, Todd Manley. Thank you to our official corner store photog, Mercedes Zapata. Salutes to the snack door, Max. Also, please, y'all, follow our Instagram. It's corner underscore pod on IG, on Twitter. Tell us who you want to see in the corner store. And also, please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our Patreon account. It's patreon.com corner store underscore pod. The corner store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.